Welcome to episode 39 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty co-host... Jackson, the son, and I will be very surprised if I don't have the gill man carrying a coffin with Frankenstein's monster in it tattooed on me within the next five to ten years. <laughs> yeah, wait that long, will you? You're, you know, I mean, come on, you're 17. Um, this week, we are grateful to have another guest, a podcasting horror legend, the one and only Haddonfield Hatchet himself, Mr. Sean Davis. How are you, sir? Doing good. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. Better than I deserve. So, folks, we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss, and this week we are looking at a film that I know is one of Sean's favorites from 1987, The Monster Squad. Once upon a time, it was one monster per movie. Those were the good old days. We're the Monster Squad. Only one way to kill a werewolf. Kick him in the nose! The Monster Squad, rated PG-13. So, Sean, tell me, when did you first see The Monster Squad? I remember renting it on VHS and when I was a kid. And I don't remember, it came out in 87, so it was probably around the time when it first came out on VHS. We had a few local uh, video stores, not like Blockbuster, but like just yeah. mom and pop. But I remember renting it. I think it was Video Fantastic. And I rented that movie so much that, I, I mean, it was that. And then later on, it was Bad Boys with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. But, yeah. like, those were the – that Monster Squad was, like, the it movie. I don't know what happened. I just, like, I fell in love with it. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And it was probably around the same time that, I, you know, I saw Goonies. So, being a kid, I was probably, like, 10 or 11, but still – it was like great. I loved it. Oh man. And so Jackson, what about you? When was the first time you saw monster squad? I think the first time I saw it was with you at some point. Um, yeah. because uh, my earliest memory of monster squad is you chuckling, uh, just full, full on laugh at the Wolfman's got nards line. <laughs> uh, that is my earliest memory of this movie. And I don't blame you because uh, that whole thing with the werewolf is just fantastic. Uh, but I have seen this movie three times all the way through. Uh, I saw it once today, and uh, it just keeps getting better and better. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I saw this in the theater on opening weekend um, when I was growing up before I um, took off to L.A. about a year after this came out. The uh, our local theater was literally a quarter of a mile from my house, and I remember going there with um, a girlfriend and a couple buddies and their girlfriends, and seeing this on opening weekend, and I was the only one who dug it, and I loved it because I grew up watching the Universal Monsters every Saturday afternoon on WUAB out of Cleveland with Superhost. There was always like an hour or a half hour of Three Stooges cartoons, and then he would play a Universal monster movie, and then he'd play like a Godzilla movie or King Kong or something like that. This was right up my alley. I had a blast, and everybody else thought it was kid stuff. I thought it was great. So, monster, spoiler alert, I guess we've already said pretty much that we all love this movie, but Anyway, here's the IMDb rundown if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but a young group of monster fanatics attempt to save their hometown from Count Dracula, 
and his monsters, which is that fairly accurate. But let's talk about this. Um, first of all, I, I remember watching this. Um, I've probably seen this a dozen times. And I rewatched it last night um, with my wife. And she's the one who pointed out to me, you could write this screenplay today as written because, you know, I mean, if nothing else, call on Horace the fat kid, you know, all the way through it would be described as body shaming today. And then you've got Rudy who's smoking. Um, I guess today he'd be vaping. But um, there's no way this could be done today. But at the same time, for me, there's a lot of 80s C and D here because you got away with that in the 80s. I mean, am I on the wrong track here, Sean, or what do you think? Oh, you're totally on the right track. I mean, it's like I could I was I was the fat kid, like, <laughs> you know, so and like everybody I hung out with. Yeah, they were smoking. We we're riding bikes. Uh, <laughs> it was all about like going and meeting like making like a clubhouse out in the woods, you know, not necessarily a tree house. Cause kind of hard to do when you don't have a whole lot of trees or wood. <laughs> uh, but you know, like you got Jason Hervey, you know, dropping some, you know, stuff they probably shouldn't be dropping, but like it's the eighties. Right. Uh, like you couldn't do that today, of course, but yeah, you're like totally on point, like calling him fat kid and <laughs> slurs. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't fly today. I mean, you could probably remake it, but yeah. it would have to have like a whole new twist, like as far as like the setup, iPhones, Google Maps, wow. just ruins everything. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Jackson, you are uh, the person who, you know, I know you adore the 80s, but you were born long after it. So, you are, you know, the Gen Z, you know, coming up on your 17th birthday. Watching this as somebody, as a teenager today, what do you think? I mean, did it shock you at all, or, or you've just seen enough 80s movies? Like, that? Eh, that's what it is. Well, uh, you know, I've said this for a while, and I still stand by this, that Monster Squad is quite possibly the most 80s, 80s movie ever made. Um, <laughs> everything about it just screams the 80s, even though it's based around 40s and 30s creatures. Um, but just the hairstyles, the jobs everybody has, where, of course, there's the, the cop dad, and then there's the mom who's, you know, cooking dinner or whatever. It's the most 80s movie ever. Um, and though I wasn't shocked by, the, you know, some of the language used in this, presumably it's made for, uh, teens and, and children. Um, you know, it, it is the eighties and I came to expect that, um, though you see the difference now, uh, when homophobic slurs are used in a movie, it gets an R rating, like it chapter two. And then back then this was like a teen movie. This was a kid's movie. Uh, so it just goes to show you that times have changed, but, um, I don't blame this movie because that's what you would hear on the street and that was just how it went and that's unfortunately still what you hear uh people haven't changed the media has though yeah i just wonder what the twitter police would do if young ones watch this but i mm -hmm. you know i this was co-written of course by fred decker from who uh, did night of the creeps the year before this and shane black who when i lived in hollywood shane black was a celebrity um, even though he only had a small part in, in Predator. I think he was the first person kill, character killed in Predator. Um, but he was kind of infamous because he sold his first screenplay when he was 22 years old, a senior in college in 1983, and that screenplay was Lethal Weapon. Um, 
And so before he was 30, he was the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood history to date. Um, his screenplay for The Last Boy Scout sold when I was in Hollywood for $1.75 million. And then shortly thereafter, he sold the screenplay for The Long Kiss Goodnight for $4 million. So he bagged $5.75 million in like one year. And then he disappeared, I think, just to count his money. Uh, but with the exception of the Lethal Weapon screenplay, and I guess he wrote the original draft for Lethal Weapon 2, um, between that and Iron Man 3, which he wrote, his movies, including this one, have all been flops. And, I mean, Sean, does that blow your mind that the Monster Squad was a box office bomb? Uh, it does, but it doesn't. Because, um, what was it, Goonies come out in like 85? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people were like, this is like a ripoff of the Goonies. Um, and I could see that, but like, I love the Goonies, but I would probably choose this over the Goonies. But, I mean, I don't know why it was a flop. It actually breaks my heart that it was. But when you're getting compared with the Goonies, I guess, which was yeah. such a like a outstanding film a couple of years earlier, then... All of a sudden, you've got like another movie, and it's like, hey, we're over it. We don't really care about monsters. Because in the 80s, most people were like, hey, it's slashers, and not looking at like Dracula, Wolfman, The Mummy. Right. You know, and, and just, I, you know, and those films have gotten like a real good resurgence, you know, of late, especially with like the Blu rays and the 4Ks and Alex Ross doing like the special covers for the steel books and, mm -hmm. uh, and just everything like that. So it, it, it breaks my heart, but I would, I, I'm actually jealous that you got to see it in the theater because I didn't. I, well, I, I was, I don't I, even remember it coming to the theater, but yeah, it was, I think it was just here for like two weeks and I saw it. And, and like I said, I think I was the only one in the theater who was really digging it, but I was the only one there. I mean, it was filled with like, you know, I was um, about ready to turn 15 and that was about, it was all filled with like 12 to 15 year olds. And I got the distinct impression looking around that hardly anyone could remember the Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. or Dracula with Bela Lugosi. And it, it unfortunately kind of came out just right before, and I think during the advertising campaign for the Lost Boys, which was, you know, selling vampires as cool. And, you know, you've got, you know, uh, the guy playing Dracula walking around kind of doing his best Christopher Lee. So uh, timing may have been an issue there. Um, but it's unfortunate because I said, and I get your comparison to the Goonies. I'd actually written that down. It's the Goonies versus the Universal Monsters. But exactly. I love, the, yeah, but I love the Goonies too. But I dig this too. I don't, I mean, look, how many action movies, you know, are basically copies of another action movie, but they're still fun? Exactly. I mean, and, a lot. Yeah, a lot, especially in the 80s, right? I mean, every Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Chuck Norris movie, Charles Bronson movie. They're all, you know, they all had the same similar tropes, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it was still fun. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, and one thing, too, is like, and I noticed, like, when I was a kid and I rented this, like, I would talk about this movie. And this even went on in through high school. And even when I was in college, I would talk about the Monster Squad. And people would look at me like, are you talking about that television show? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm talking about this movie. It's like the Goonies, but with monsters. And, like, yeah. constantly. And I still... I still, when I talk to people or, you know, my age and stuff like that, and we're talking about like horror movies and stuff, and I'm talking about the monster squad. And they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, uh -huh. It was so, it's so crazy. Like 
this movie wasn't on DVD forever. Like I remember, I, I still have my bootleg copy that I had to purchase from eBay to get it on DVD because I couldn't find it on VHS anywhere. And I couldn't yeah. find a DVD of it, so I had to buy the bootleg version. And then the bootleg version started popping up at all the conventions and stuff. And then luckily, we got like the DVD version, you know, the anniversary version. Then the Blu-ray started coming out, and like I think there needs to be like a crazy 4K version of this. But oh, with I, Justin, I agree. with Justin Beam doing the special features would be great. Oh yeah, Justin should should try to land. Of course, this is this is owned by Warner Brothers, and they're an absolute pain in the butt when it comes to this. But um, Jackson, I, I, if memory serves, maybe you've changed your mind. Um, but I, I do remember you really digging the Goonies. Do you still like the Goonies? Yeah, I still really like the Goonies. It's definitely up there on my top ten list of like those '80s uh, kids and teen movies. Um, and I do think there the comparisons that are drawn to Monster Squad are apt, but there is a noticeable difference. I think the kids are, um, you know, a little bit different. Though they do fall into some of the same tropes. They they're written differently. I think there's a different feeling to them, and um, you know, they're endearing in the same way the Goonies are, but they're written differently, so you can you know relate to them in different ways. But um, what, if I were to compare it to the Goonies quality-wise, I would say this probably is lower budget than the Goonies, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's worse. Uh, and, you know, okay, I love the Gill Man. I don't think that's a, any secret. And right. I love that he's in this movie. I love the Wolf Man, all those classic Universal movies. But I think the reason this flopped uh, is because at that point, unfortunately... A lot of people were just like the mom in this movie who doesn't know Godzilla from Dracula. They had moved on from those classic Universal movies, and they had started watching slashers and more mature things, so they forgot about the more spooky, you know, classic horror films, uh, which is really unfortunate. I mean, this this movie is basically just, um, you know, taking all those characters and putting them back into the new age. Uh, fortunately for the movie nowadays, I think there is that nostalgia for those classic movies, and a lot more people had a desire to see it. So that's why it started cropping up on bootleg DVDs and such, and then was eventually released, because we started to realize that all horror is great, not just the newest and most gruesome horror. Uh, you got to go back to the roots at some point. So I think that's why it has more success as a cult film and as like a home release rather than it did in the box office. Yeah, and I was just looking over the horror films from 1987 uh, that did well. So you do have, I mean, you've got that year, Hellraiser, The Lost Boys, Evil Dead 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Master. Uh, I remember that did, you know, gangbusters. I saw that in the theater on on opening weekend. Um, And so you had those kind of movies out there and... Yeah, unfortunately, this just didn't quite hit the the sweet spot. Um, but and Fred Decker is, if you hear him interviewed about this, he's got the same kind of attitude towards Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad that John Carpenter has toward The Thing. You know, people come up to Fred Decker and go, "Oh my God, I love the Monster Squad. I love Night of the Creeps." And he looks at him and says something like, "A lot of good that does me now." You know, because which is John Carpenter says the same thing about the thing. He's like, yeah, great. Critics love it now. You know, people love it now. Where were you in 82 and it about destroyed my career? Um, but that brings us you brought up uh, the characters, Jackson. That brings us to the cast and the characters. 
You've got Andre Gower as Sean, uh, who had done a lot, of, a lot of TV, but disappeared from the business for some time. You have Robbie, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Kiger, um, who had, before that, Jackson, was a movie we've covered, best known as Job and Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. And he and Gower were best friends in real life, which explains the chemistry. Gower actually lobbied to get him to play uh, the other character. And then you had Brent Callum, or Callum, or however it's pronounced, as Horace, a.k.a. Fat Kid who tragically died of pneumonia when he was only 22. Did you know that, Sean? Yeah, I did. I was actually telling Megan about it today. She was, she watched it with me. She fell asleep. Uh, it's not her, not her cup of tea, but mm. we were talking about it. I was like, yeah, the fat kid in it died of pneumonia. And she's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, he's like 22 years old. She's like, oh, wow, he was just still a baby. I was like, yeah. yes, he was. Yeah, uh, man. And you had Ryan Lambert as Rudy. None of them had a long career, but um, I, th- I think they're great together. I think they have great chemistry. I think they have as good as chemistry as the kids in The Goonies. Um, and, and since we all love that, I mean, Sean, do you, what do you think? I think the chemistry is great between them. Oh, I think you, you can tell that uh, Sean and Patrick were friends in real life. I mean, just like... And even all of them, they, they mesh really good. Even, like, the super young ones, like, the, you know, Phoebe, she was mm-hmm. five. And, and then Eugene, uh, I mean, they all just, I, I thought they were friends. I mean, yeah, and they seem everything to re- just kind of flow together. Yeah, they seem to remain so, you know, with the exception of, you know, Brent who died early. But, Jackson, what do you think of the chemistry and the characters? I think it's great, and I think that the child acting in this movie is often overlooked um, just because, you know, the writing in some parts is that stereotypical 80s kid um, thing where they're all talking over each other. And, um, you know, but I think the the kids are doing their, their best, and uh, there is a real chemistry there. You can definitely tell they're friends, much like with newer movies like It, where they really try to expose the cast to each other so that they can actually bond and create a, per, per, a convincing performance on screen. Um, it's tragic what happened to Brent, is it Shalem that played yeah. um, Fat Kid? Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, he gave an amazing performance in this. I think the most triumphant moment of the movie is when he says, um, you know, my name's Horace. And then he he pumps the shotgun. I mean, that is awesome. And I'm sure it empowered a lot of kids, you know, to be really proud of themselves. So um, awesome performance from him, especially, but also from Sean um, and all the kids. I was really admiring that on this watch because you kind of take it for granted uh, whenever you're watching a movie as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, it's how kids act. But then you have to remember they're playing other kids. They're not playing themselves. They have to be like another person, which is really hard for somebody who hasn't, you know, been through life that long. Yeah, it, it's it's odd to me that they didn't go on to longer careers. Maybe they had the same thing that happened with like Corey Feldman, because in my opinion, Corey Feldman's last really good performance was in was in uh, the Goonies and Stand by Me, and after that, he kind of went downhill. Um, but you know, we get to the monsters. You've got Duncan Rhaegar as Dracula, Tom Noonan, who I love as Frankenstein. You've got uh, Uncle Rico, I mean, Jonathan Grice as uh, the Wolfman, the first of two times he would play a werewolf because he did it in Fright Night 2. And you've got the FX specialist Tom Woodruff as the Gill Man, etc. Um, I think the monsters are fantastic. I mean, really fan, And not just the FX. I think they don't go overboard, 
but they don't look like they feel like they're idiots doing it. I think they really hit the sweet spot. Uh, Sean, what do you think of the monsters? For me, the monsters were spot on. I mean, Duncan Rager, like I remember watching him too as a kid as Zorro, uh, mm. and he's a really good actor. But like his Dracula is probably one of the most vicious Dracula. It's like you take them all, all the Draculas that have ever been played up until that point, and like he's just more evil. Like he's, it's like he's like I don't care. I'll kill a kid. Like mm. I don't care. Like I want my amulet. I will kill whoever's got it. And he's just, and he's your typical Dracula. You know, he's got the medallion, the black cape, the pale skin, the slick back hair, the fangs. And it's just, he's just dead on. Like, he's the, the scariest part of the whole film. Uh, the Gill Man, I absolutely think that is probably the best, like, creature costume. Mm that has been around and I couldn't tell you how long I like every time I see that, I'm like this guy who done this needs to do a new film. And that needs to be the creature for the black. <laughs> like, I, I just love it. And then mummy is creepy. Uh, mm-hmm. the wolf man. I love the wolf man. Like as the human, you know, he's just, he's as desperate as he's got to be. He's like, he's trying to help, but you know, when that full moon hits, it's on, and I think that's one of the best like Wolfman transformations there are in film. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not you don't get a lot, you know, you don't see a whole lot of it, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's one of the one of the best. Uh, and then Frankenstein, Tom Noonan, I I love Tom Noonan. Uh, he's just creepy, uh, especially yeah, when he's is. in like was it Manhunter? Yes, you know? yes, he plays uh, Red so, Dragon. Yeah, so. And then, you know, it's not your typical Frankenstein's monster, but it's close. I mean, it's kind of hard to beat Karloff, but uh, I think they're all great, like, in their own right. And, like, to me, they're spot on, and that's one of my favorite parts of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Jackson, what about you, buddy? Well, uh, yeah, I totally agree with Sean. Um, the Gilman design is amazing, and, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon is my favorite movie of all time, and we haven't really gotten another Lagoon movie in a while, and I so desperately want some kind of uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon content with this creature design. It could be a remake for all I care. I don't care. Touch the original, but even though it's sacred, I just want some new content, especially with this, this design, because it's so... Awesome. I mean, it kind of looks like a piranha in the face, which I think is really killer. Um, Instead of, you know, that classic, more of like a like a bulbous gill looking face, it it looks vicious, like he'll rip your face off, Uh, though they did him dirty in this movie with one shotgun that takes him down. Uh, (laughs) I kind of I kind of understand why that had to be in the movie, because uh, that was a triumphant scene for Horace. But um yeah, I, I feel like the Gill Man, he's, he's sustained worse than that. He might, he might still be around. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. But um, yeah, definitely the, the creature designs are a really strong part of this movie. I love Frankenstein's monster uh, in this film. I was surprised they didn't make him green because all the other designs were very accurate to like the original things. But I guess yeah. um, it's, it's more accurate 
you know, it's more logical that he would have like a skin tone, like more of a pale skin thing because he's a corpse stitched together. So that does make sense. But since they made the Gill Man kind of look like a reinvigorated version of the original and Dracula was wearing that big red cape, I was sure that Frankenstein would be green. But that's one of those uh, Mandela effects where I remembered it differently. Well, if memory serves, because this was a, um, a TriStar picture, TriStar was owned by Disney. Um, in the 80s, Disney decided to branch off because their animation department was losing money like crazy. So they uh, started TriStar Pictures and Hollywood Pictures in order to make mainstream movies. And the problem that, that they had, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, the Frankenstein design they had to make look different because Universal was like threatening copyright suit if they, if they copied Karloff. Is that, is, do, you, do you know anything about that? I'm Seems like I remember something about it. I can't remember if we talked about that on Land of the Creeps because I know we've done this before. Um, but that would make sense why they would have to be changed. But uh, I don't know. I'll have to look at that because that's kind of interesting. I think I remember reading that, but it's one of those things that I may have mistaken. But I, I do know because um, that when I was leaving L.A., my brother was going to work for Disney and, and to run their music department, and they, they owned TriStar and, and Hollywood Pictures. And I know that uh, Warner Brothers, Universal, and uh, Disney did not, and Paramount did not always see eye-to-eye. And sometimes they would do things out of spite. Um, I put myself, kind of uh, fed and clothed myself in Hollywood working as a music publisher, which if people don't know what that is, you're basically an agent for songwriters. And I had uh, a song by a guy uh, that I represented had been used in the movie Say Anything. And uh, Paramount wanted to use it in Days of Thunder. And Mickey Thomas, who used to be the lead singer for Starship, wanted to cover it. And the other studio, which I think, if I remember, it's either Universal or Warner Brothers, would not give consent, even if we gave them money. They would just rather sit and make nothing just because they didn't want to play ball with the other studios. And so it just... You know, it was a peeing match among studios that, that those kind of things pop up. But, um, yeah, with the Gill Man, yeah, I, I thought that was really impressive. And uh, actually, this week, I was listening to the podcast Best Movies Never Made, and Fred Decker was a guest on it. And he was Fred Decker was a guest talking about unmade James Bond movies, because Decker is apparently a huge James Bond fan. And somebody brought up Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Decker piped up. Yep, Creature from the Black Lagoon, second best Gilman ever made in a movie. Uh, so <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> those are bold words. Those are bold that words. Is. The only thing that creeps me out about the Gilman costume is he's got a tadpole tail. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is a little weird, isn't it? I, I wonder if mind I just, it. I just, that too. It, it makes sense. I just noticed it today. <laughs> it makes sense if you because like the the intro of Creature from the Black Lagoon says that he just evolved from these uh, lagoon creatures, so it, it kind of makes sense that he would have some kind of little you know trait left over from something he evolved from. But it was a little it's a little pathetic that little tiny tail <laughs> would have been really cool if he had this big. Wouldn't it be cool if he had like a big alligator tail with spikes on it? That could be an idea for a reboot. Do you think he'd look like the lizard from Spider Man? Maybe, but it would be uh, practical, so it would be better than that Amazing Spider-Man CGI fest. Got a point. Oh, man. So, did anybody notice, talking about the creature design, the werewolf's face? Anybody notice where that comes from? It was based on a specific person. The FX department paid tribute to somebody, 
and it wasn't Tom Savini, but it was somebody else. I know Tom Savini is Sean's favorite person. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but old he, Tom. Uh, he was nice to me. I don't know. Maybe you just you just caught him on a really bad day, man. He was really nice I, to I, me. I've met him three times. Twice he was nice, and one time super jerk. So I don't I don't know. Maybe he was just having a bad day since nobody was giving him money. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, well, people weren't giving him money when I was around him, so maybe that made the difference. But anyway, um, the werewolf's face design is based on Stan Winston. I read that today. I did not know that until I read that today. Yeah, if you look at it, I read the trivia while I was watching the movie, and if you if you know that, you can see it. You can definitely see that it's Stan Winston's face, uh, which is kind of a cool tribute because, you know— uh, unlike Mr. Savini, Stan Winston had a reputation of not having that many bad days. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Uh, oh well, there are all kinds of people who have that kind of uh, reputation on on cons, which I haven't been to a lot of cons. I know Sean, you have. I mean, I've heard from people who run cons, like uh, they say Linda Blair can either be incredibly nice or very very short. I mean, I guess it just depends on the person, right? I've heard I've heard that as well. Uh, I also heard that about Tony Todd, but like I don't know for sure. Like every time I've seen him, like I've never met him, but he always looked like he's having a good time. Uh, but I, other than that, that's Linda Blair. Like she would show up late a few times to like the cons that I went to, but I never did meet her because I was like, eh, I don't really want to meet her. But uh, it's not on my bucket list to meet Linda Blair. Uh, but, you're not, yeah, you're not, you're not like looking said, to get your poster of Savage Street signed anytime soon. You're, that's not no, on your... <laughs> not, no. Like, listen, I had, I've got a DVD copy of The Exorcist, and it was the version you've never seen. And it was one of the one. It's in the cardboard mm-hmm. case with, like, the plastic flip. Yeah. Like, I didn't watch that. Like, I bought it, and I probably sat on it for years. Like, and then when I married May, or when me and May got together... She's like, have you seen it? I was like, no. And she's like, do you have it? I was like, yeah. And she's like, let's watch it. And I was like, it's never been opened. She's like, you've never seen it. I was like, no. I was like, I've never opened it. I was like, I don't want to let Satan into my house. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then we watched it, and it's the only time that disc has ever been watched. I, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't get into it. You're like, uh, was it Wolfman Josh? I think it took people like di- literally taunting him and bullying him on Twitter to get him to watch it as well. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it would take an act of Congress to get me to watch it a second. Uh, oh man, like twenty bucks right now, I'd probably get it. But no, it, I mean, I, like I want to watch uh, this completely off topic, but like I've never seen The Exorcist Three, The Heretic, oh. but I own it. But I own it. But I've never watched it. Well, I will tell you that, in my opinion, I, Jackson, I think you and I disagree on this. You can weigh in because, spoiler alert, this may play into what we're talking about next week. Um, I hated The Exorcist too, The Heretic. I don't think it's worth your time. Uh, I think it was Quentin Tarantino said it's a good movie if you leave the uh, volume off, if you mute it. Um, but Exorcist Three, on the other hand, I love The Exorcist Three, And I saw it in the theater, and I saw it when I was 18 years old, living in Hollywood. I was house-sitting for somebody and for a songwriter and I went to see it and I came home and they had these two dogs who they were nice dogs they were kind of annoying because I'm just not a I don't you know when I'm sitting watching tv a ball game or something I don't want dogs on me I I like dogs but I don't want them like 
on my lap. And these things were constantly just trying to, you know, snuggle up to me. After seeing The Exorcist 3, I had the lights on and those dogs on the bed, and I was happy to have them there. Um, it is a freaky, freaky movie. But if memory serves, you don't hate Exorcist 2, do you, Jackson? I Now listen, okay? <laughs> I hate Exorcist 2 from an objective standpoint. Okay. But, but watching it with knowing that it's going to be bad going in, you can have a lot of fun with it. Because there are scenes with James Earl Jones in a locust costume, screaming at the top of his lungs. There, there are nail beds of, made of nails. There's some weird telepathic thing with Linda Blair and these weird probes. It is a journey. And if you go in knowing that it's not going to be anywhere near as good as the first or third movie, you can have fun with it. Now, I will say the third movie is the sequel that The Exorcist deserved. Though it's not much of a sequel, it's more of a spinoff. Um, I do think that is a really solid movie. Yeah, kind of, but we, we could be talking about that in the future. But uh, getting back to Monster Squad, and Sean, you brought this up earlier. I mean, uh, we, it is criminal that there is not a great Blu-ray with tons of extra out there. This deserves it. I want a great Blu-ray Shout Factory, Scream Factory, Justin Beam. I want a commentary with Fred Decker. I want an interview with the with the surviving members of the cast. I mean, mm-hmm. that just has totally to happen, does it not? I mean, come on. Oh, it, I think it totally does. And I'll give uh, Andre Gower uh, a shout out. Like, he's done a documentary called The Squad Doc. Mm-hmm. And he's been traveling around the conventions and stuff, showing it. Uh, I've not got to see it yet. I, I'm dying to see it. Uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a, I think Justin maybe got to interview him or I'm talk to him or, uh, on a pod or somebody on a podcast got, to, I can't remember if it was Justin or someone else. Uh, but he, like, he's been doing like some podcasts and he's making his rounds on the convention circuit showing that. And I think that would be great to incorporate that documentary into like a super version of the film, like a Blu-ray set. Oh, absolutely. And I, I actually have been, yeah, I've been waiting for that because that started to make the, um, circuit for all the festivals in 2018, almost two years ago. I think it started in late summer, 2018. So it's been like almost two years since Andre started shipping that thing around. I keep checking the website. I think it actually changed titles. Now I think he's the title now is Wolfman's got nards. Um, yeah, but it's but it's got like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics love it, and you can't find the friggin' thing anywhere. Yeah, I, like I like I I want to see it. Like I'm super interested. Like I don't think he's been to any of the conventions that were around close to me, but mm-hmm. like it needs to be out. Like it needs to be on Amazon, Netflix, like where I can buy it. I, like I really just want to see it. Yeah, I'm shocked that it hasn't at least come out at this point after, you know, this summer be two years that it's made the circuit. Usually that's about the time it hits like on demand and, and Blu-ray and so forth. I, I'm shocked that it's not not out. Um, Jackson, are you that into Monster Squad that you want to see this documentary? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I would mostly want to see it for the behind the scenes stuff. Um, not so much for maybe like a floating head thing, but, um, you know, I really, really love 
hearing about special effects um, and hearing about how people did stuff and hearing about how people acquire rights to stuff because I know that that is a real pain in the butt. Um, knowing that because uh, I was working with a Liberty student film and they wanted the rights to a, to a small uh, song. I think it had like 60,000 plays on Spotify and it was going to cost like something around $30,000, which is crazy uh, that you know, wow. what people charge for getting the rights to stuff these days. But, um, yeah, I want to hear about that. I definitely want to hear about the production. And um, I think it does deserve people to be, you know, looking at it with a critical eye and appreciating it, even though it is just a fun 80s movie. Yeah, and the rights to this apparently are, when I was trying to kind of run it down, uh, like I said, this was originally a TriStar picture which, if memory serves, like I said, was owned by Disney. But then when TriStar went under, I think a lot of the movies were picked up by Warner Brothers. So I'm not sure if Disney still owns this or if Warner Brothers owns it. Either way, both companies are an absolute pain in the butt um, to deal with. I know that this was shot on the Warner Brothers backlot. I found that in the trivia. So um, if you ever make it out to L.A., you can tour the Warner Brothers backlot and – all of the scenes like in the neighborhood, the house and stuff like that, that's all still there. Um, so you can go visit the set and, uh, but which I would like to do. I don't remember even thinking about it when I was on the Warner brothers back lot, but Oh man, it, it's just both Warner brothers and Disney. They're a pain in the butt to get rights from. And they ask for the moon and they don't really care to let stuff kind of sit there uh, Paramount's not much better. I mean, you're talking about the studio that let all of the uh, cut footage from Friday the 13th just go into a garbage pail, um, which is criminal. But, you know, there's always, you know, you can always hope for for the miraculous. We've had, you know, footage turn up before that people thought uh, was lost. So, you know, that happened with um, the recent um, Screen Factory release of My Bloody Valentine. Somebody found the stuff that the original director thought was gone. And I, I didn't look to see if that was Justin Beam or not who put that together. It wouldn't surprise me if it was, but that needs to happen with, with Monster Squad. It needs that kind of Blu-ray. So, Justin, if you're listening out there, man, what do we need to do to make this happen? So, anyway, totally. absolutely. Um, just a little trivia. Did anyone notice some of the movie posters in the clubhouse, what they were? Uh, I think there's actually... I get it. Actually, on the gods or uh, there's a Godzilla one right now. Like I, I've got the movie playing, and it's mm -hmm. at the scene where they're doing the uh, crazy '80s montage. Yeah, and uh, it looked like there was a Godzilla poster, and then there was a couple of other ones I can't remember for sure. One of them was they... Rambo, but as far as horror movies, if you look real carefully, I think it's when somebody's behind the camera. You can see the bottom half of the Return of the Living Dead poster oh. is is up. And now I didn't see this. I just read this in the trivia that is real quick. You can see full uh, poster for Fulci zombie also in the clubhouse. Wow. So yeah, that's up there. So, all righty. What else do we want to talk about with monster squad? Sean, what else do you want to talk about with this puppy? It's like, I agree with Jackson. It's like one of the most eighties, eighties films of all time, but like it's chocked full of one liners. Yeah. And like, the use of the word dork <laughs> is, uh, you know, I, I can't even explain. It's like, I didn't know you had that many, you know, dorks to be used for like a numerous amount of things. Uh, uh, it just, it's 
I just love it. It's so good. I mean, I don't even know. Like watching Wolfman get kicked in the sack was like probably the <laughs> ultimate, the penultimate like thing of the whole entire film. Uh, and then Wolfman's got nards. It's it's classic. Like I've got the Stephen King rule shirt in my yeah. cart on eBay. Like I want to wear, you know, it's like that's a great shirt because Stephen King does rule. But <laughs> it, it, there is some cheese. There, I mean, it's it's it's. it's, it's Trying to figure out how I can word it without being mean. It's dated. Certain parts of it's dated significantly yeah. to me. Like, but it doesn't affect the watchability for me. Uh, right. There's some heartfelt moments in the movie, and mm-hmm. there's some sad moments in the movie. That's like, man, that 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 catches you. Uh, you know, Phoebe, she she loves Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Like, which they call they call him Frank. And when he's going into limbo, and then she throws scraps the dog to him, I'm like, man, that that's got to be heartbreak. You know, it, it makes you tear up a little bit, but not so much now. But when I watched it as a kid, like, yeah, for sure. Uh, oh yeah. But and you know, it's just John. Uh, was it John Grice? Yeah. When when Rudy shoots him and he raises up and says thank you, it's like yeah. It's like thank. It's like you put me out of my misery and the world's misery. It's like thank you, you know. I, that was that was intense to me. Uh, there's some nasty, disgusting things in this movie, mm-hmm. and one of them is Duncan Rager's bat mid transformation body laying in the sporting goods store. Yeah, oh, yeah, that is so disgusting. It's like the nastiest part of the whole thing. Uh, the special effects are. Like, there's some really good ones, mm-hmm. and there's some really bad ones, but then you're like, it's 1987. Uh, you know, the bat flying, the airplane, <laughs> uh, you know, the bat's probably the worst part of the special effects, uh, but the Wolfman transformation um, is great. Like, I, I previously said that, but Wolfman getting the stick of dynamite down his pants and exploded and coming back together. Great. Uh, and I'm kind of like Jackson too, like Gilman taking a shotgun slug to the chest and that was all it took. Yeah. Yeah. You know, come on. I mean, he is out of water, so maybe he can't breathe as good. I don't know. Uh, and then, you know, horse racking the shotgun, that's ultimate cheese. Uh, oh yeah. All cheese. But overall it's like the film's great. I love it. I, I mean, oh, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I, I just want to hug the screen every time I see it. Absolutely. It, it's, I, I, I love it too. And yeah, the, the special effects, I mean, it was one of those things I did read in the trivia where Fred Decker did have to cut some things just for budget reasons. I mean, they had 12 million, which wasn't, you know, about that time, a major picture was costing, you know, 20 to 30. So it's about half the budget. It wasn't a, it wasn't a minuscule budget, but it wasn't a great budget. And so they really did have to cut corners on some things. I know in Shane Black's original screenplay, like when Van Helsing storms the castle, he had like an entire army with him and like a Zeppelin and all this other kind of stuff. And, Fred Decker gets screen credit because he rewrote the screenplay to make it fit the budget. Cause he told Shane Black's like, we can't, that, we're going to spend the entire budget on the opening scene, dude. We can't, you know, they, they, they had some Imagine budget constraints. Like. Oh my gosh. It would have been fantastic. And today it, you could do that, right? 
Oh yeah, totally. It'd be like a three hour film. It'd be great. Like, like this movie could totally be remade. I think there was a remake scheduled and they canceled yep. it. Was it like 2008? Something yep. like that, maybe? Yep. Uh, like, I, you, you could like make a, definitely make a series of films with this along the lines of like, maybe like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Or, you know, you could really like bring it together. I don't know how you could make a like TV series of it, but like, you could do at least a trilogy. You can you may be able to do like an Amazon Prime or Netflix series, like a limited series on it, like a yeah. eight episode thing, maybe eight one hour episodes or something like that with the Monster Squad. Maybe you could do that. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, it it just uh, my imagination could not do it. That's for sure. Uh, but with all the monsters and stuff, like you know, specifics like a mummy episode, you know, Dracula. I I would love to see Duncan Rager play Dracula again. He's oh, just man. so good at it. He's vicious. What was it? Wizard Magazine released the uh, top 100 villains, and I think Dracula was number 31. And it wasn't like your Bella Lugosi version. It was this version. Cool. Because he just was just like, which that was back when Wizard Magazine was the greatest thing ever to comic <laughs> book and toy nerds. Uh, rest in peace, Wizard Magazine. Um, yeah, but I, I love it. It's just it's a great film, and like I recommend it. It's like some people can't watch '80s movies because they're super dated. Yeah. Um, like this movie, I can watch it. It's like, to me, this one's like Halloween. Like I can watch this movie over and over. Like I watched it twice today, wow. literally almost back to back. And now I'm on the third showing of it, and it doesn't get to me. It doesn't get old. Uh, I guess it's because it's part of my childhood growing up. Like, I absolutely loved it, so. Yeah, well, me too. I mean, I have the C&D, but yeah, I would like to see, you know, I would love to see this rebooted right. Um, Jackson, what about you? Do you think this could be like, uh, uh, they can reboot this or remake it, or, you know, what do you think? I think they could definitely do a miniseries. Um, though I think, you know, I'm fine with the original film. I'd be more interested in taking the creature designs from the movie and making like reboots of the smaller properties like Creature from the Black Lagoon uh, and the Wolfman maybe, you know, make those with these creature designs, these kind of rules. I'd be really interested in that. Um, though I think a miniseries could, you know, be possible in the future because um, though the nostalgic period for 80s movies is kind of turning to the 90s now, you know, yeah. there's cycles of everything. Um, so everything comes back eventually. I think we will be getting the Monster Squad returning in some way in the future, whether that's even just a, a reference in an upcoming movie or a miniseries of some kind. Um, but when you see movies uh, or shows like The Twilight Zone and Stranger Things, you're like, okay, so this can work in the modern era. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it would work best as a limited miniseries, maybe eight episodes, an hour long each. And I think, yeah, that, that would be a good idea to introduce each of the villains, each of the creatures in an episode. And then, like, the last two episodes, maybe they're all together and there's this climactic showdown. Um, I think that would be a cool way to do it. Like, the gang runs across uh, Dracula in the first episode and... Um, Dracula is still a looming threat throughout the show, but then they run into Frankenstein and the Wolfman and stuff like that. Every episode, they're coming across some other property, and then by the end, like I said, big climactic showdown. I think that would be the best way to do it because you can really spread the budget out and um, focus on one like big effect per 
um, episode, one creature per episode. But I don't know if people are going to jump on that because, like I said, the nostalgia wave is kind of moving to the 90s now with stuff like Friends. So um, the 80s is kind of being left behind for, for the time being. Yeah, don't get me started. I'm okay on uh, nostalgia from the 90s when it comes to TV because I loved the X-Files and Seinfeld, but the music, the movies, uh, especially horror movies in the 90s, no thanks. But um, anyway, I do want to give a shout out to, I, I, I forgot to bring it up, um, Lisa Fuller, who plays Patrick's sister, um, the person they thought was a, was a um, what does the little boy say, version uh, version, yeah. The version, yeah. Uh, I like it that she goes to cons with T-shirts that say Steve doesn't count. Um, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> that's <Yeah. great. laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, oh well. Oh, man. I love this movie. Um, I, I always have a really good time with it. I would love to see it rebooted. It does break my heart that it didn't do well. It didn't hurt Shane Black's career, but it kind of killed Fred Decker's for a while, and you just think of what Fred Decker could have done. I mean, the guy did Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad back to back. And, you know, that's, I mean, do you like Night of the Creeps, Sean? Is that is that one you love? I do like it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, I actually need to break it out from the DVD and watch it again. It's been a long time. Uh, but I did enjoy it. I like, I'm a huge, I like, I like Fred Decker. Like House, yeah. House 2. Yeah. Uh, they're I love those films. Yeah, he's just a talented guy, and he just, it seems like he never got the career, you know, he deserved. Uh, you know, I just think he could have done a lot more. And Jackson, you're the aspiring director here. What do you think of Mr. Decker's work overall? Just a Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad. So those were kind of his two big things as a director. I love it. Uh, I I just I fell in love with this like 80s kind of horror comedy style movie. Uh, Night of the Creeps I think is probably technically uh, superior to Monster Squad. I don't know if that's a budget thing or what, but um, Monster Squad I think is is more endearing. The characters are more relatable, whereas Night of the Creeps is just kind of you know you just you light up while watching it. But uh, it's just kind of goofy, whereas this really has a heart to it, I feel like. Yeah. Um, it's less scary than Night of the Creeps. It's, it's more of a comedy uh, than horror, I would say. But it's still there, and it can introduce kids to these classic creatures, which I think is really important to show them uh, Dracula and Creature from the Black Lagoon it, like in this format before you show them the black and, the black and white classics, because that can really turn off kids these days. Yeah, and I I do want to say though, you know, yeah, it didn't seeing this as a 14-year-old about to turn 15, I think, when I saw this. I yeah, it didn't scare me, but I do have to say I agree with Sean. Duncan Regar, you know, as Dracula, especially in that near that in scene where he picks up Phoebe, mm -hmm. you know, and he's got the fangs and and the red contact lenses. He's pretty intimidating looking. And I mean, Sean, you were kind of at that right age to where that would have been kind of scary. I mean, when you were when you were a kid, did that I mean did that freak you out? Uh not really, because I really? like already watched like I mean it was creepy and it yeah. it kind of makes you jump a little bit. Yeah. But I was uh already in like Nightmare on Elm Street and wigged uh, out by Freddy Krueger. You know, by that point, uh, watching horror movies on like Cinemax and HBO at like 3 a.m. when nobody's, you're not supposed to be watching, you know. As God <laughs> intended, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
like Hellraiser and yeah. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like, um, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, don't be watching stuff on that Cinemax <laughs> and that HBO. You're going to burn, you know. But uh, that's, uh, uh, so like Duncan Rager, like his Dracula, though, is, you know, it's, 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 it is creepy. Those fangs and those eyes and, when you when you look at it like he didn't want to like scare phoebe but they right. had to get her to scream so she's like well how am i going to know when to scream so and fred decker's like you'll know and then <laughs> yeah. like the one and only time he bangs and eyes and she screams bloody murder i'm like if i was a five-year-old when that happened yeah i would be sleeping in my parents bed yeah no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I read that too that Duncan Regard did and Duncan Regard did not want to do it. He did not want to scare Phoebe. He thought it was too cruel, but you know, that Decker kind of insisted on it, but uh which is kind of cool. But uh wait, we didn't you didn't talk too much, Jackson, about uh about Dracula. You talked about the Gilman and the Wolfman. What what did you think of uh the makeup on Dracula? I mean, I like it. It's not the best version of Dracula. I think he's he's really basing his performance on Christopher Lee more than the iconic Lugosi, yeah. which I do I do like that because most of the time when you have a vampire in a movie, it's just that stereotypical, I want to suck your blood, you know what right. I mean? But, so I appreciate them going for something different. Uh, though I didn't find him intimidating, and that one scene where he picks up Phoebe, the green light on his face, and he's got like the fangs, it is it is creepy to look at. I, I think that if he had looked more like that throughout the movie, I'd see him less as kind of like a scumbag and more as like a like a scary guy. Because yeah. when he blows up Dell's partner in the car, and he just like is terrorizing everybody, he's more just like a jerk. I was more like, okay, dude. Instead of you know just being terrified of him, I just was disgusted by him. Um, but he's really, he's a love to hate, uh, kind of guy. And, um, he, I mean, Dracula, usually there's some form of, um, sympathy towards him, even the original Dracula. I mean, he's got this, like right. some, some pitiful moments, but, um, this is just true, uh, like kind of a cartoon version of Dracula. Not that that's bad, but it's, it's very overgeneralized. So not my favorite Dracula, though. I think he doesn't, there's a noble performance there. Um, you know, there's not much to work with because he has very few lines other than talking to Frankenstein and then Phoebe, though he does like, deliver the most iconic line of the movie. I think, uh, when he's got Phoebe in his hands, which I can't say on air during a family <laughs> show. Uh, but that really shocked me that this is a, this is a children's film. And he says that to yeah. a little girl while holding her up by her neck. I mean, I didn't remember that that was there. So I was kind of taken aback by that. Uh, you know, so I mean that they, they had, uh, they had a lot of confidence to just put that in a movie, but it was the eighties different oh, yeah. time, I guess. <laughs> I totally yeah, that, agree. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes back to gremlins where you can see that they're like, how far can we push this and still get like a PG or PG 13. And so, um, yeah, but I, I, it's not going to surprise anybody, you know, that we're gushing over this, that, you know, we're going to rate this probably pretty high, you know, Sean, on a scale from one to 10, what do you rate the monster squad? Uh, I've got, I, I give this one a 10 just because of, for me, it's the nostalgic value. Uh, I feel like we did skip over scary German guy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I just now noticed it, uh, scary German guy. He was kind of creepy. Uh, you know, but he makes good pie, apparently. Yes, he <laughs> apparently does. 
Yeah. Oh man, and that uh, guy is Leonardo Cimino. I'm looking at him right now. That guy was in all kinds of stuff, man. That guy had a huge career. I mean, yeah, he was. He was he, man, he's in. I'm just looking over his. It's like his IMDb and, and and stuff like that. And man, oh man, he's like been in everything. I'm trying to see here, pull up exactly how many screen credits he had. 16, 61 screen 61. credits. And he, and he didn't get into it till he was older. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, he was in. I just saw it. Where would it where it go? He was in Hudson Hawk. Yep. And uh, Amityville Two: The Possession. That's, yep. I mean, he was a lot of the TV shows and stuff that I grew up with too. He was like, you know, bit parts, but still, like, you know, Route sixty six. I remember watching that when I was a kid. It's crazy. But he was oh, in everything. Yeah. He was definitely. He was really creepy. But I mean, he was also a Jew. And had the tattoo from like World War II in the concentration camp, so he knew all about monsters, and yes. which he alluded to that. But he uh, he played an integral part. Like, I mean, he spoke German. They had to read Van Helsing's diary. Makes That's sense. right. Go find the German. And, and I will say that actually, my wife, uh, you know, like I said, she watched this with me last night when I was rewatching it. And the two times she kind of teared up, one was what you brought up, Sean, which is when, you know, Frankenstein gets sucked into limbo. But the first time that she started to tear up was when, you know, the scary old German guy closes the door after saying, yeah, I, I, I know a lot about monsters. And then you see he's got the concentration camp tattoo, you know, on his arm. And so, yeah, that was pretty awesome. So, Jackson, yeah, before, before you go to your rating, what do you think of scary German guy? Oh, he was my favorite character. Um, really? I mean, like, yeah, I love that, that he's that, like, urban legend kind of guy in the neighborhood. They're all scared of him. But then when the, once they get to know him, he's a really nice guy. Uh, my favorite moment, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when he says uh, something along the lines of, the time's almost up, and he's got a knife in his hand, and then it, it pans out, and he's cutting <laughs> uh, pie, which was a great moment. So, I mean, he's kind of like the adult supervision. He drives them around. He, he uh, translates the book or, or reads it out so they can repeat mm -hmm. it. Um, so I guess you could say that the town would be overrun with monsters if he had done nothing because he's the only thing that really, you know, got this, this done. Because even though um, uh, the kid's sister could knew some German, she was obviously not fluent because she said one of the words as warehouse. I caught that this time, <laughs> uh, which is not quite right. But uh, yes, scary German guy. I mean, the, he's that old stereotype where he's kind of the creepy urban legend, but um, I think he plays it really well. And that, that reveal of him being in the concentration camps, yeah, I really like was taken aback by that as well because I was wondering where that whole scene was where he's like, look, I'm not a monster. Uh, you can see my reflection. They're like, you really know a lot about monsters. I was like, okay, what's this? What's the whole point of the scene? And then that reveal as it, as it zooms in on his, his arm, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that, that got a lot deeper than I was expecting the monster squad to go because I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, and he's just, you know, I love actors like that, you know, who get into it late, have that kind of long career, you know, and so I, you know, God bless the guy. He had, a, he had a great career, but so Jackson, I'm interested in this. What do you rate the monster squad? Well, I, I love this movie. I'm not coming in as hot as Sean. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 because I think it is as entertaining as ever. Um, it's a great movie. 
but I don't think your like hardcore horror heads are gonna watch this and be impressed because it's mostly a family movie. It's mostly like a movie mm-hmm. for teens to introduce them to the monsters. So if you're already familiar with them, a lot of this is gonna feel tedious to you. Like, oh, of course, you know, were- werewolf can be killed by a silver bullet. We all know that. But you know, these are kids, so um, it was. I know that. When I watched it the second time, I think all the way through, which was two years ago, it was a great introduction for me to the lore and mythology of these characters. So um, if you're new to horror, I would recommend this. Yeah, I agree. I originally, when I was working through the horror movies of 1987, I think I originally gave this an eight and a half out of 10. But after rewatching it last night and, and noticing more about it and seeing how, you know, my wife reacted to it and she doesn't like horror movies and she she really liked this. Um, I'm bumping it up to a 9 out of 10. Uh, I'm calling it a must-own once someone at whatever studio owns this gets their dome out of their dookie maker and gives us a great Blu-ray. Um, I call it a buy You know, once they do that. Right now, I'm kind of happy just to stream it on Amazon, where it's on right now, Amazon Prime. But I want to own a great Blu-ray of this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep kicking that dead horse until somebody gets us what we deserve when it comes with uh to monster squad so well folks stay tuned for the movie we'll be reviewing next week though you've had a little hint of it uh be sure to check out our website father and son and you can find us on twitter and instagram we also have a close facebook group uh so to our guest who we're glad so glad we could have on sean where can they find you online buddy um uh, on twitter mainly uh at super david 78 and then uh also do a lot of the posting on the Land of the Creeps uh, Twitter page, at Land of the Creeps. And uh, always check at Land of the Creeps out and Greg Amortis and mm-hmm. all the crew there. And, I mean, we put out stuff. A lot of times I'm not on there, uh, but uh, mainly because I've been in school. So haven't been able to do as much movie watching lately. But hopefully by next few months that'll – taper down to where i can actually start watching some more of the films but uh, that's usually that's me uh i appreciate you guys having me on uh, i know we've been trying to do this for several several yeah, tries wow, and, yeah and uh monster squad what a great way to do it like love this film uh not really much more to say about it other than it's, it's fantastic and it's one of those films too like if you're wanting to start your kids out into horror it'd be a good it's a good starting place uh, oh, this is a great and, gateway, isn't it? This is a great oh, it, gateway. Oh, it 100% is. Uh, it, it's right up there. I mean, it's, it's you know, there is a little bit of language. Uh, I, don't know, it's, I mean, most kids, you know, they're going to be, they're going to hear it anyway. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's not, it's not like you're watching like an R-rated lethal weapon where, you know, you got prostitutes snorting cocaine and jumping out yeah. of windows. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh uh, it's a it's a great film for that, and I totally recommend it. Like I have it on DVD. Uh, the DVD is out of print, the mm-hmm. anniversary edition. So if you try to buy it, it's going to bring some change. Yeah. Um, and then there is there are a few Blu-rays. Uh, I can't remember who done the Blu-rays, but they don't have near the special features that it deserves. No. So, no. And uh, I do have to make a correction. Uh, the Wolfman Got Nards, uh, Sean uh, Andre Gower. He yeah. was on Attack of the Killer. He was on Attack of Killer podcast, and Justin uh. Uh, and uh, um, another individual, I think Remington Smith, was on there with Andre Gower, and they talked about the. Yeah, I think it was episode one sixty seven, uh, 
Gotcha. So I can't got to correct myself on that because those Attack the Killer podcast guys are awesome. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I missed that, and I, I definitely want to hear that. So yeah, it was from 2018, I think. Like right when you said, like they started uh, started yeah. making the the rounds. Yeah. I think it was at like Geek, Geek Nation or something like that, one of the conventions, and they they got to interview them and stuff. So it's pretty awesome. Gotcha. Uh, definitely check that out. And so, Jackson, what about you, buddy? Where where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero12. And on Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. That's one word. Uh, I'd also like to shout out our patrons on our on our Patreon page. Yeah. we got two patrons. Uh, we got Greg B. And uh, hold on while I, while I pull them up. Trey. Yeah, Trey. That's right, Trey Whetstone. Yeah. Uh, so I am planning... Uh, two things, two Patreon exclusives, which will go up next week. Uh, and you and I will be doing, uh, I'm sure, a bonus pod sometime oh, yeah. this month. So uh, I've got a lot of stuff coming to that and uh, a lot of YouTube videos. You can find me at Kane Hero on YouTube as well. So just be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we're going to do a commentary at some point too. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad you did Demon Wind on your own. So I won't have to do that with you. Um, so- oh, come on. It's fun. <laughs> Uh, you can find me at Pastor Matt R on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter. So kind of already let the cat out of the bag because next week is my pick. And so it's time for a kind of franchise review because I'm not sure I want to go full in on this. But <laughs> it's time now that it's on Shutter. it's time for The Exorcist. Um, and if we can do it, we may do The Exorcist 3 as well. Unfortunately, The Exorcist 2 is not on Shutter. Darn. Um, I've got it on Blu-ray. Well, you can. Watch I can send you my copy of the DVD. <laughs> you have to Don't watch have to it eventually. You can have it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Exorcist and Exorcist Three are both on Shutter right now, so no excuse. That includes you too, Sean. You got to watch Exorcist Three. Is fantastic. You got to watch. I mean, Brad Dourif, man, he's, he's got Brad Dourif in it. I may have the Exorcist Three here. I don't know. See, I, I've got so I've got like four hundred DVDs, and they're not in alphabetical order. Yeah. And like they were stacked by like like uh, their uh, like I had my horror movies and like you know horror action and I didn't have them in alphabetical order but the way I had them stacked because I don't have shelves they all fell down so I came up here oh. one day and they're all they're all mixed back up so I've got oh. like uh, you know Valentine's Day which is one of Meg's movies mixed in with like crank and then rambo three it's just like everything's all i have nothing like now my blu-rays are set to where i know what i've got but uh i can't i have to dig through them oh man i I guess i might have to get shutter again they're giving like a 30 day uh yeah they've got a new i think they've actually they may have extended it as i think i saw that during the quarantine that they were yeah doing just kind of even if you've done it before you can do it now kind of thing so and I know that they've got the series Cursed Films on there, uh, which I want to watch. So, um, yeah, but it's Exorcist and Exorcist 3 are on shutter. So, folks out there, you got no excuse. Yes, the Exorcist 3 is scary, but you got to watch it. Uh, it's, it's just, oh, we're going to have a good time. So, everyone listening, please stay safe. Social distance. Wash your hands. Stay home, watch lots of horror movies. This is your excuse to do it. So, all right, folks. Well, again, Sean, thanks so much for being on, man. It's been a blast. 
Oh, thank you guys for having me. I've had fun. I haven't been uh, on a podcast in a while, so it's good to get my feet wet again. Absolutely. And so, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, and remember to study up on your German. Yeah, yeah no joke. All right, until next time, remember the family that watches horror together slays together. See ya. <laughs>